Welcome to the Pod 20. I'm Graham Mack, and as you can probably tell, I've got a bad throat this week. But that will not stop the countdown of the top 20 podcasts in the world right now. As usual, I'll talk to podcasters who've made the chart, and my special guest is Tom Bell from Tom's 5-Minute Friday podcast. Tom is an NHS whistleblower. He worked for them after his sister was sexually assaulted by a nurse in a mental health hospital and committed suicide because of it. He found that the NHS covered things up. The police didn't investigate it properly, and the Crown Prosecution Service were just as bad. He told his story in his book, which is a cracking read. When I talked to him last week, before my voice went bad, I asked him to remind me of the title of his book. It's Lions, Liars, Donkeys and Penguins, The Killing of Alison. It's available um, in a Kindle, um, in paperback and in an audio version. Um, I have to say I've had some great reviews and some uh, some lovely people reviewing it um, and some fabulous feedback from people such as yourself, Graham. Um, and it is it is raw. Um, it's not easy reading. It's not bedtime reading. But there is... I was going to say there's a message of hope in at the end of it, but that would sound glib. Do you know what I mean? It's not... Because you don't have justice yet. We don't have justice yet. We don't. And, and people say... People talk to me about closure and say things like, oh, you know, well, you know, you need to get... Just, you know, you don't get closure. with Closure's a myth. Um, I'm like one of those Kintsugi plates. I've been broken and reshaped. And I'm okay with that. But I remember going through counselling. No surprise there. Eh? I had to pay for it, by the way, private sector, because I couldn't get on the waiting list for the NHS. <laughs> but, you know, um, so I go through this counselling, right? And I've got this, this very well-meaning uh, lady who's telling me that, you know, we're going to get back to you. We're going to get you back to you, to the you that you were. And I have to say, to her, I just said, you're not. It ain't going to happen. I said, because I've been changed. I've been shaped. I've been changed beyond anything that I could have imagined. But I've been changed by circumstance. You're not going to get me back to that that shiny, happy person that used to believe the best in everything. You know, um, I've had a, a severe reality check. And that doesn't make me a bad person, It doesn't, but it does make me a very different person. And do you know what the biggest challenge for me, Graham, was accepting myself for that? Because I wanted right. to get the old me back. I wanted to, you know... I was the I was the I was the ex brewery rep that used to go around the working men's clubs telling them jokes, flogging them beer, taking them to the races. That's not you know what I mean. That that isn't going to happen anymore. Um, it you change, yeah, and and the biggest challenge is to accept yourself for that because I'm just be un, unapologetic about it to yourself and to everybody else. You know, um, I am the way I am for a reason, but I am desperately trying to make positives out of this. You know, I'm I'm trying to turn. The lemons into lemonade, yeah? Because I think that's... I've been given a worthy challenge. That's the way I try to look at it. My goal, really, with with the, with the work that I do, so I do uh, online webinars. I did a session recently to uh, a, 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 some students in America, which was great, because, again, you know, those young, young, uncynical, untarnished minds, yeah? Um, and for me, this is all about making public services better, not just better for the people they serve, but better for the people that work in them. Because those two things are inextricably linked. You won't get one without the other. The reason that we are hemorrhaging staff from our healthcare services is because they are not looked after. They are not managed well. They are not motivated well, and they're not treated well. And until we get good treatment of our staff on the one side, we won't get good treatment of our patients on the other. Tom Bell. And we'll see how Tom's 5-Minute Friday podcast is doing on the countdown a little bit later. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in the UK, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms, and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now, and at number 20, Sword and Scale. 
the dark side of humanity and human nature, including murder, rape, dismemberment, and cannibalism. The worst monsters are real. Number 19, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. 18. Behind the Bastards. The worst humans in history. The latest episode is about how the first fitness influencer doomed us all. Number 17. Feel Better, Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. The podcast that will inspire, empower, and transform the way you feel. 16. The Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz Father Schmitz walks you through the entire Bible in 365 episodes, providing commentary, reflection, and prayer along the way. It's the podcast for you if you like to get advice from a book that was written thousands of years ago by people who thought the world was flat and didn't know where the sun went at night. 15. The Breakfast Club the world's most dangerous morning show with DJ Envy, Angela Yee, and Chalamagne, the God. On one of their latest episodes, their guest is Ed Sheeran. 14. What If? With Lorraine Kelly and her daughter Rosie. When I spoke to them a couple of weeks ago, I asked them what guests they had coming up. We've got Eddie Izzard coming up. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely adored. And um, Eddie was in Canada working so again that was lovely because you had an emotional interview with him on the tv didn't you i I love i love eddie and i mean she was like really you know just yeah it was it was because you you referred to her as as a as she as her yes eddie's in canada just now and just wrapping up a thing where and it's a male part right you know you can call eddie he in that sense yes Oh, but but she is what you should. Okay, but, sorry. So I just got it wrong earlier. Yeah. Well, the thing is about Eddie. Then doesn't she, mind. She doesn't mind. Doesn't she's mind. not okay. fussed about whether you call nope. her whatever. But nope. she's um, it's kind of she's she understands that it's kind of yeah. People, people are, are learning still and, learning, and you know sometimes it's okay to make mistakes. Just have the conversation. Yeah. But that was great, wasn't it? Mm. Love, love. So you've recorded that one. We yeah, have. great. Oh, so that's one to look out for. I think that might be out next week. Next I week. think it's out next week, actually, which is great. Right. Okay. Well, that's great. Can I hear beeping? Is that is that time for me to go? Is that is the washing machine? I thought, I thought, geez, I thought it's like it's two minutes to go, and I am wrapping it up now. But I thought, geez, they've got like a two, they've got like a two minute warning on me here, just to make sure that they can wrap it up if I'm not wrapping it up. Okay, I get the message, but it's the washing. <laughs> oh. No, it's gone. It's gone. The, the beeping is away. The beeping okay. is away. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been it's been lovely to talk to both of you. Uh, thanks for coming on. Continued success with everything you do, but especially with What If with Lorraine and Rosie. It's a brilliant podcast, and of course, you can hear it on podcast radio. What If with Lorraine Kelly and her daughter Rosie Smith is at number 14 this week on the Pod 20. 13. The Jordan B. Peterson Podcast. Enlightening discourse that will change the way you think. 12. Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. 11. Over My Dead Body. 
an anthology series about people who are pushed beyond their limits and do unspeakable things. Number 10. Hidden Brain Shankar Vedantam uses science and storytelling to reveal unconscious patterns that drive human behavior. 9. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend After 25 years at the late-night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So he started a podcast to fix that. His recent guests include Elvis Costello. Number 8. Sips, Suds and Smokes Everything good in life is worth discussing. Wine, tea, coffee, whiskey, beer, cigars, barbecue, people whose names start with a Q, ex-Amish, the state of Alabama, roadkill, and Canadians. 7. History Daily Explore a momentous moment that happened on this day in history. At number 6, Tom's 5-Minute Friday Podcast with Tom Bell. Tom's an NHS whistleblower. His sister Allison was sexually assaulted by a nurse while she was a patient at a mental health hospital. Sadly, Allison took her own life not long afterwards. The NHS worked really hard to cover up what happened, including organising a secret abortion. They also tried to cover up the fact that more than 10,000 adults die avoidable deaths in the care of the NHS every year. When I spoke to Tom last week, I told him that a lot of journalists I worked with at the BBC now work in PR for the NHS for more money than they were being paid at the Beeb. And I suggested that the NHS are actively poaching journalists from the BBC by offering them more money so they can help the NHS twist the truth to the media. It's, the straight answer to your question is that I don't know whether it's a deliberate act to hire those people, but what you've got is this wonderful circumstance for the NHS where you know yourself that the media has been struggling, hasn't it, over the years, yeah? We've yeah. lost a lot of journalists' jobs, yeah? We've lost yeah. a lot of local papers, yeah? Oh, local papers are on their knees, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and local and, and, radio hardly exists either, yeah. Absolutely. So places like Radio Cumbria, which used to employ a whole load of staff at their place up in Carlisle there, yeah? They're, in, you know, they're on a skeleton staff now, effectively. Great bunch of people, but they're on a skeleton staff. So what you've got is this this need for the NHS to manage its, manage its reputation suddenly with an availability of, of qualified journalists who kind of know how the system works, yeah? Hmm. And um, the PR, I don't think PR has a role in, in, in public sector. You know, you, you and I are experienced enough to know what PR originally was, yeah? PR is the it's nice propaganda. name. <laughs> well, yeah, it was propaganda, right? And <laughs> PR, PR took a leaf out of its own book and rebranded yeah. itself, right? Because yeah. weirdly, weirdly, after Nazi Germany, propaganda had a bad name. Work that one out. <laughs> it I got a lot of bad press, so, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it did. So yeah. let's rebrand it PR, public relations. Utter b****. It's nothing to do with public relations. It's about telling people what you want them to hear. Yeah. So um, what you find with PR is, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm sure members of the PR society and the PR society itself will disagree with that, but that's the reality on the ground. If, if, if your status and your income and your job and the kids' skill fees and all the rest of that stuff depends on your salary, and you are employed in a role on a decent whack of money, which means you've got to protect, absolutely decent pension, all that stuff, um, you've got to protect the reputation of, of the directors that you're working for and of the trust that you work for, then you will keep banging those good news stories out, regardless of, of whether that's reality or not. If you come back to that example of the guy who costs the NHS tens of millions because of his crap leadership, but is still awarded a CBE, yeah? Hmm. You know, th 
I think actually what we should do, you know, in, in the public sector is we should defund PR, right? And we should put that money into something called information departments, not PR departments, information. Now, the difference would be that the information departments would give you data, right? And that data would be comparable with all the other public sector organisations that are doing the same thing, yeah? So rather than me having to do a freedom of information request to find out that my local trust has just pissed up 30 million against the wall in compensation claims, yeah? I should be able to look straight on the website and see that. Hmm. And then I should be able to see how that compares per capita, right, with every other trust in the country. Hmm. And I should be able to see how much people are on. And I should be able to see the level of complaints. And I should be able to see the levels of mishaps and the quality of services. What I shouldn't be dependent upon is this kind of PR team just throwing these good news stories over the wall every now and again, you know, you know, classic one, isn't it? You know, photo of nurse with patient that they've helped and gone the extra mile with, you know, I went yeah. out in the snow, you know, yeah. look, great. That's great. Don't get me wrong. That's fab. Yeah. But I used to go out in the snow selling telephones. So if you can't be asked to go out in the snow to deliver healthcare, then I wouldn't think that much of you, frankly. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, can we just get past all the crap and the imagine in the private sector, right? If Toyota came out and said, Oh, we've got this new advert. What we're going to do is we're going to say, 99% of our cars are bloody effective, bloody reliable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. Only 1% of them crash, right? Yeah. <laughs> We'd be yeah. going, what the hell? You know, yeah. we expect your cars to work perfectly. In fact, if you have a 0.001% failure rate, then you're going to do like a 100,000 car recall, right? Yeah. But the failure yeah. rates in the NHS are through the roof, but they still just keep cheerleading and going, there's nothing to see, there's nothing to see, everything's good over here. You know, just come yeah. on, just can we have an honest conversation about the problems that you're facing? Because we all know you're facing them. The only people yeah. denying it are you. Tom Bell. And Tom's Five Minute Friday podcast is at number six this week on the Pod 20. At number five, Smartless. Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett unite people from all walks of life to learn about shared experiences through thoughtful dialogue and organic hilarity. Number four, Crime Junkie. If you can never get enough true crime, congratulations, you found your people. Three, Doomsday Watch with Arthur Snell. From the crisis in American democracy to the collapse of the Middle East's petrochemical oligarchies, this is your guide to the dangers that mass media isn't covering. 2. Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's Parenting Hell. It's last week's number one, and it's parenting, but just not as you know it. One of their latest guests is Harry Hill. And at number one... Sweet Bobby. How much do you know about the person you love? I love you, sweet. And who they really are? I wish I was there with you. This is a story about a young couple who fall for each other despite everything. When it comes to matters of the heart, I said we can all be a bit crazy sometimes. And about how their love turned into something much darker. She went from being a vibrant person to being a shadow of herself. She was literally a shadow. And I kept screaming, why? You've stolen 10 years of my life. How could you be so sick? It's a story of manipulation on an epic scale. This case, oh my God, where to start? What the hell has been going on? If you put it on the television, there'd be a lot of people that would say it was completely unrealistic. It's about who we are online, how little we know. So what do you mean you don't trust yourself, sweet? 
and uncovering a 10-year scam. The only thing I have is truth on my side. I'm Alexi Mostris. I'm a journalist at Tortoise Media. And this is Sweet Bobby. Oh, Sweet. Sweet. This is killing me. I love you. It's quite a story. Sweet Bobby is number one this week on the Pod 20. And that's it for episode 81. Thanks to this week's guests, Tom Bell, Lorraine Kelly and Rosie Smith. Next week, my guest is Anthony Davis, who presents 5-Minute News. Last time I spoke to him, I asked him, how's life in Los Angeles? It's pretty good here. I mean, I think we measure life by how locked down you are and how how many deaths there have been in local hospitals due to COVID now. That's tragically, like, that's how, if a, me- a country is doing well, it's not so much economically anymore. It's more about, you know, who's succumbed to the Miley Cyrus. So I feel like, I feel like Los Angeles is good. People are very, you know, back into it. It's a big economy here, you know, fifth richest economy in the world, ahead of the United Kingdom. So, you know, there's just a lot of industry here. People are very um, industrious. And so... I mean, I don't really feel it because I never really went out in the first place. I think we discussed this last time. You know, people like us, we like to, we're homies. And that's why we're good in radio studios. Because I don't crave like going out and, you know, leaning at a bar with a martini. I'd rather be in here with um, you. If your name was Martini, that would be even better for this joke. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's. I think California's doing doing good. I mean, we're... I was saying this to someone the other day, you know, we don't have seasons like in England. I mean, in England, we used to have proper seasons and climate change has shifted that as well. So it doesn't snow in the winter. You might get like three days of snow randomly in February. And you're like, what's what's happening here? Here, there's no seasons. I mean, it is literally like all the same. And so time does go much faster on the on the West Coast, you know, because you don't have any point of reference through the year. So my daughter is about to be six next week. And I'm like, I brought her to America when she was one. And I, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm just like, where did all that time go? And she has an American accent now as well. So, you know. Why did you move to Los Angeles? Brexit. Really? Well, that was like quite high up on the list. I was very demoralized by that because I knew it was going to be a disaster. And I hate to say told you so. But, I mean, this is, and when when all of the Brexiteers were like, you know, two weeks after Brexit, two months after Brexit, six months after Brexit, there you go, see, no difference, everything's the same. And it's like, you know, it actually takes like six to nine months for an economy to catch up because, especially with things like food and services and produce, you know, because stuff sits in warehouses and oil sits in barrels and, and petrol sits in whatever oil petrol sits in tanks tanks thank you and so it takes six to nine months for 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 the economy to kind of see the effect of a major change of of an economic shift and brexit is a huge shift and i mean i can talk about brexit for hours like i have i am i will just keep talking about it if you want to because it's like it's so fundamentally important and the problem is when you talk to Brexiteers, they don't want to talk about it. They didn't want to talk about it during the referendum. They didn't want to talk about it after the referendum. They're like, because, because it's born of anger. And 
disenfranchisement. You know, that's that's what the vote is. It's it's just people who are dispossessed because and it's not their fault. It's because of the economy. Wages haven't gone up in 35 years. So when the cost of living goes up, I should do it this way for you for the graph. Yes. Goes that way. Yeah. yeah. The cost of living goes up and as you know, I mean, the price of a house, you know, it used to be you could buy a house for like 65 grand 20, 25, 30 years ago. And now a house is like half a million pounds. And so wages didn't go up like that. And since I was a kid, everyone was earning 25 grand a year. That's how much people earn. In London, it's a little more, 32,000. But in the, in, in the north or the Midlands, you're in, you know, just by the M25. It's, it's, like, 20, it's like 25 grand a year still. <laughs> this is why people were angry. You can't, yeah. people can't live like that. It's poverty. And so when I talk to people here in the fifth richest economy in the world and I explain that most people in England live in relative poverty and they've got used to it and they make it work for themselves, they just don't understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. The economies yeah. are so different. And I love England and I will always be British first and very proud to be British. But wages need to rise. And, you know, they talk about the living wage, the London living wage. What's that capped at? 15, I think. Is it? Is that all it no, is? No, maybe it was 10. Maybe it was 10. Yeah. $15 yeah. is the is the living US living wage. Right. No, maybe it's more than 10. Anyway, it should be 25. It should be 25 yeah. pounds an hour in London. Minimum wage. Yeah. yeah. Eight quid? Like, what are you talking about? So that's the problem. And that's why I can talk endlessly about Brexit, because I see that these two are intrinsically linked. You know, people are angry. They don't know what to do. They don't like politicians. Someone gives them an option to blame immigrants or blame a magic Europe. Bullet. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had members of the European Parliament. We had a democratic say in Europe the whole time. We could have changed anything, but no one ever cared who their MEP was when it came well, to a vote. And no so that's how, said, that's how UKIP got in. So, so we, we had UKIP representing a, a lot of constituencies in Europe and UKIP were anti-Europe. Yeah. That's, that's, it's like having an a yeah. anti-democracy party in Westminster. And we're very <laughs> eloquent, you know, because Nigel Farage, or Farage as James O'Brien calls him, is he's a very charismatic leader. Mm. And, you know, and he's... I, I think he's amazing. I don't like his politics, but as a guy, I find him very watchable. Uh, he's a very good presenter. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> but, um, and Daniel Hannan, who was also a member of the European Parliament, you know, a conservative, is the most incredible orator. If you search Daniel Hannan's speeches from when he was an MEP, they are some of the greatest speeches I ever heard. But their politics is so terrible. You know, it's like you can't have... The, the EU was created to kind of protect us after World War II, you know, so that we didn't fight with these countries anymore. Why would you want to leave that? Yeah. Let yeah. alone petrol coming from Europe. I mean, England doesn't and, and especially create anything. When you can, we have to import. We don't especially, have industry. You, you can, when you see when Europe got it together, when we worked together with Britain and I know you're an aviation fan but if you look mm. at Concord and the success of Airbus who mm. now take on Boeing and beat them mm. uh, that was us getting together and taking the best bits of instead you know there was British aviation you know there was uh, there was Vickers and Bristol and right. Avro and all them but not one of them 
took on the Americans had on until Airbus when we got together with our European partners. Because it was a conglomerate. It brought together these... And what's going to happen to Airbus now because of Brexit? You yeah. know, they were making wings and landing gear in the UK. That uh, was our contribution to Airbus, was wings and landing gear. Yeah. And the A380 program, which, you know, they made parts for, has now been shut down because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. We don't need super large jumbos anymore. And, I mean, it's just a tragedy. I mean, isn't it sad that Airbus are only doing well now against Boeing because Boeing have all these problems with the 787 and then the 737 MAX? Yeah, yeah. And fatalities and, you know, 346 people died in two 737 crashes. Yeah. And they still wouldn't ground the plane. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they did ground it eventually, and, but now it's flying again. Anthony Davis from 5-Minute News, my special guest next week on the Pod 20. And what will happen on the podcast radio chart then? Will your favourite podcast make it to number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, although this week I know I've sounded more like Morgan Freeman. I'll be back as myself as long as my throat clears up. And thanks for all your get well messages, by the way. That was nice. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.